chapter nine of trial and triumph by francis e w harper this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter nine true to his word mr thomas applied to mr hastings the merchant of whom he had spoken to his young friend he went to his counting-room and asked for a private interview which was readily granted they had kindred intellectual and literary tastes and this established between them a free masonry of mind which took no account of racial differences i have a favour to ask said mr thomas can you spare me a few moments i am at your service mr hasting replied what can i do for you i have he said a young friend who is honest and industrious and competent to fill the place of clerk or cashier in your store he has been a cashier for hazelton and company and while there gave entire satisfaction why did he leave i cannot say because he was guilty of a skin not coloured like your own but because a report was brought to mr hazelton that he had negro blood in his veins and what then he summarily dismissed him what a shame yes it was a shame but this pride of caste dwarfs men's moral perception so that it prepares them to do a number of contemptible things which under other circumstances they would scorn to do yes it is so and i am sorry to see it there are men mr hastings who would grow hotly indignant if you would say that they are not gentlemen who would treat a negro in a manner which would not be recognized as fair even by ruffians of the ring for i believe it is their code of honour not to strike a man when he is down but with respect to the coloured man it seems to be a settled policy with some not only to push him down but to strike him when he is down but i must go i came to ask a favour and it is not right to trespass on your time no sit still i have a little leisure i can give you my fall trade has not opened yet and i am not busy i see and deplore these things of which you complain but what can be done to help it mr hastings you see them and i feel them and i fear that i am growing morbid over them and not only myself but other educated men of my race and that i think is a thing to be deprecated between the white people and the coloured people of this country there is a unanimity of interest and i know that our interests and duties all lie in one direction can men corrupt and intimidate voters in the south without a reflex influence being felt in the north is not the depression of labour in the south a matter of interest to the north you may protect yourself from what you call the pauper of europe but you will not be equally able to defend yourself from the depressed labourer of the new south and as an american citizen i dread any turn of the screw which will lower the rate of wages here and i like to feel as an american citizen that whatever concerns the nation concerns me but i feel that this prejudice against my race compresses my soul narrows my political horizon and makes me feel that i am an alien in the land of my birth it meets me in the church it confronts me in business and i feel its influence in almost every avenue of my life i wish mr thomas that some of the men who are writing and talking about the negro problem would only come in contact with the thoughtful men of your race 
i think it would greatly modify their views yes you know us as your servants the law takes cognizance of our crimes your charitable institutions of our poverty but what do any of you know of our best and most thoughtful men and women when we write how many of you ever read our books and papers or give yourselves any trouble to come near us as friends and help us even some of your professed christians are trying to set us apart as if we were social lepers you draw a dark picture i confess that i feel pained at the condition of affairs in the south but what can we do in the south set the south a better example but i am hindering you in your business not at all i want to see things from the same standpoint that you do put yourself then in my place you start both north and south from the premise that we are an inferior race and as such you have treated us has not the consensus of public opinion said for ages no valor redeems our race no social advancement nor individual development wipes off the ban which clings to us that our place is on the lowest round of the social ladder that at least in part of the country we are too low for the equal administrations of religion and the same dispensations of charity and a fair chance in the race of life you bring a heavy verdict against us i hardly think that it can be sustained whatever our motives may have been we have been able to effect in a few years a wonderful change in the condition of the negro he has freedom and enfranchisement and with these two great rights he must work out his social redemption and political solution if his means of education have been limited a better day is dawning upon him doors once closed against him in the south are now freely open to him and i do not think that there ever was a people who freed their slaves who have given as much for their education as we have and my only hope is that the moral life of the race will keep pace with its intellectual growth you tell me to put myself in your place i think if i were a colored young man that i would develop every faculty and use every power which god had given me for the improvement and development of my race and who among us would be so blind and foolish as to attempt to keep down an enlightened people who were determined to rise in the scale of character and condition no mr thomas while you blame us for our transgressions and shortcomings do not fail to do all you can to rouse up all the latent energies of your young men to do their part worthily as american citizens and to add their quota to the strength and progress of the nation i am conscious of the truth and pertinence of your remarks but bear with me just a few moments while i give an illustration of what i mean speak on i am all attention the subject you bring before me is of too vital importance to be constantly ignored i have a friend who is presiding elder in the a m e church and his wife i think is capable of being a social and intellectual accession in any neighbourhood in which they might live he rented a house in the city of l and being of a fair complexion i suppose the lessee rented to him without having a suspicion of his race connection when it was ascertained that he and his family were coloured he was ordered to leave and this man holding among the ministers of that city the position of ambassador for christ was ordered out of the house on account of the complexion of his family was there not a screw loose in the religious sentiment of that city which made such an act possible 
a friend of mine who does mission work in your city some time since found a young woman in the slums and applied at the door of a midnight mission for fallen women and asked if colored girls could be received and was curtly answered no for her in that mission there was no room the love of christ constrained no hand to strive to rescue her from the depths of degradation the poor thing went from bad to worse till at last wrecked and blighted she went down to an early grave the victim of strong drink that same lady found on her mission a white girl seeing a human soul adrift regardless of colour she went in company with some others to that same mission with the poor castaway to her the door was opened without delay and ready admittance granted but i might go on reciting such instances until you would be weary of hearing and i of relating them but i appeal to you as a patriot and christian is it not fearfully unwise to keep alive in freedom the old animosities of slavery to-day the negro shares citizenship with you he is not arraying himself against your social order his hands are not dripping with dynamite nor is he waving in your face the crimson banners of anarchy but he is increasing in numbers and growing in intelligence and is it not madness and folly to subject him to social and public inequalities which are calculated to form and keep alive a hatred of race as a reaction against pride of caste mr thomas you have given me a new view of the matter to tell you the truth we have so long looked upon the coloured man as a pliable and submissive being that we have never learned to look at any hatred on his part as an element of danger and yet i should be sorry to know that by our southern supineness we were thoughtlessly helping create a black ireland in our gulf states that in case the fires of anarchy should ever sweep through our land that a discontented and disaffected people in our midst might be as so much fuel to fire but really i have been forgetting my errand have you any opening in your store for my young friend i have only one vacancy and that is the place of a utility man what are the duties of that position almost anything that comes to hand tying up bundles looking after the mails scattering advertisements a factotum whose work lies here there and everywhere i am confident that he will accept the situation and render you faithful service well then send him around to-morrow and if there is anything in him i may be able to do better by him when the fall trade opens and so charlie cooper was fortunate enough in his hour of perplexity to find a helping hand to tide him over a difficult passage in his life gratefully and faithfully did he serve mr hastings who never regretted the hour when he gave the struggling boy such timely assistance the discipline of the life through which he was passing as the mainstay of his mother matured his mind and imparted to it a thoughtfulness past his years instead of wasting his time in idle and pernicious pleasure he learned how to use his surplus dollar and how to spend his leisure hours and this knowledge told upon his life and character he was not very popular in society young men with cigars in their mouths and the perfume of liquor on their breaths shrugged their shoulders and called him a milksop because he preferred the church and sunday school to the liquor saloon and gambling dens the society of p was cut up and divided into little sets and coteries there was an amount of intelligence among them but it ran in narrow grooves and scarcely one intellect seemed to tower above the other and if it did no people knew better how to ignore a rising mind than the society people of a p if the literary aspirant did not happen to be of their set as to talent many of them were pleasant and brilliant conversationalists but in the world of letters scarcely any of them were known or recognized outside of their set they had leisure a little money and some ability but they 
lacked the perseverance and self-denial necessary to enable them to add to the great resources of natural thought they had narrowed their minds to the dimensions of their set and were unprepared to take expansive views of life and duty they took life as a holiday and the lack of noble purposes and high and holy aims left its impress upon their souls and deprived them of that joy and strength which should have crowned their existence and given to their lives its highest excellence and beauty End of chapter nine